0: Injured in a car accident, we cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer
1: wants more, lawyer up 904.
0: For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. The sports world keeps spinning and the local conversation continues. Now, Hacker After Dark on 1010XL.
2: And a very good Wednesday evening to you Jacksonville. It is Hacker After Dark, 1010XL 92.5 FM with Dylan Denmark. The Hacker Ryan Green with you. Glad you are with us. My goodness, do we have a lot to get into over the next two hours. We are 24 hours away from the Jaguars and the Jets. Of course, you'll hear it right here on 1010XL tomorrow night. An absolutely enormous game. We're going to talk all about the Jaguars and the Jets. And we're going to talk December early signing period. Florida Gator fans, we have not one, not two, not three, but four of your signees that will join us tonight here on Hacker After Dark. Let me set the scene for you. Coming up in about 20 minutes, Trayon Webb, running back from Trinity Christian, who signed with Florida earlier today. And Jakeem Jackson, a four-star defensive back from Kissimmee Osceola, who signed with Florida today. They are coming up inside of 20 minutes. At the bottom of the 8 o'clock hour, my friend Leon Searcy, the birthday boy. Leon Searcy, we'll have him on to preview the Jaguars and the Jets. At the end of the 8 o'clock hour, two more. Gator signees Jordan Castile, a four-star safety from Orlando, and Jaden Robinson a four-star linebacker from Lake City, Columbia. Both who signed with Florida today will join us here on Hacker After Dark and in the 9 o'clock hour, Steve Palazzolo of Pro Football Focus. Going to talk Trevor Lawrence. We're going to crunch the numbers with the folks at PFF. And finally, at the bottom of the 9 o'clock hour, Andy Vasquez up in New York. He's with the Star Ledger and NJ.com. We will get the Jets side. Of this matchup tomorrow, New York and Jacksonville. So we are loaded. We're glad you're with us every night here on Hacker After Dark. We kick it off with a big deal of the night and Dylan Denmark. Let's do that right now.
0: Time now for the big deal of the night. What's the big deal?
2: What is the big deal? No, it is a big deal. On
0: Hacker After Dark, it's a
2: big game tomorrow night. They're going to get bigger as the Jaguars keep winning. This is a big game. 6-8 and eight Jacksonville, going to 7-7 seven and seven New York. Both teams really need to win. You could argue this game is maybe even a little bit bigger than last week. Last week against an NFC team, this week against an AFC team. For tiebreaker purposes and whatnot. I don't like the fact the Jaguars are going up there without Trayvon Walker, without Cam Robinson, and without Foley Fatakasi. All three guys are not going to play. Cam Robinson was put on IR. Trayvon Walker is missing his second consecutive game. Foley Fatakasi is out as well. Now, the Jets have problems of their own. Zach Wilson starts because Mike White is out, so that's a big problem for the Jets. But the Jaguars are going to be lacking on the lines of scrimmage. Guys are going to have to step up like they did last week. Devon Hamilton, Roy Robertson-Harris, Arden Key, Dewan Smoot. They're going to have to play more snaps. They're going to have to play better, and they're going to have to get after Zach Wilson. It's going to be cold. The weather may be a factor. How much did Trevor Lawrence learn in Philadelphia? back in week five, or week four, I guess, week four, about playing in inclement weather. Remember, that was a disaster. If it's wet up there tomorrow night, we know it's going to be cold. Did Trevor learn from that experience in Philadelphia to be more secure with the football? I'll tell you what else I'm very interested in. Jacksonville has gone from the team that is awful, to the team that is clearly the underdog to now the team that many expect to win out and go to the playoffs. How will those expectations be handled? How will Jacksonville perform in the driver's seat, if you will? I'll tell you this right off the bat. No one's ever going to confuse me for ultra positive Jaguar guy. I like to think that I I tell you how it is. I'm, I'm honest, maybe in a brutal way. But I give you my opinion, and I very rarely think Jacksonville is going to win games on the road at night. I think they're going to win tomorrow. I really do. I think they're going to win tomorrow. Trevor Lawrence and this offense are just cooking right now. Just absolutely cooking. And I know that Jets defense is good. But there's something to this Jaguar football team. Coming from behind, two-minute warning against Baltimore. Going for two in the win and getting it. And then having Justin Tucker's field goal come up just short. Going to Nashville for the first time since 2013 and winning a game at Tennessee to break that awful streak. And then last week, people say coming from 17 down, and that's true. They did come from 17 down. But they came from 17 down with five minutes to go in the third quarter. You realize that? They were down 27-10 to with five minutes to go in the third quarter. That makes it all the more impressive. There's something to this team. There's something to win in three out of four and four out of six where you look at New York. It wasn't long ago. They were five and two. They've now lost five out of seven. Their arrow is pointing down. The Jaguar arrow is clearly pointing up. It's interesting, too. When's the last time the Jaguars won three road games in a season? I imagine they did it in 2017. Prior to that, I have no idea. No idea. You probably got to go back at least to when David Garrard was here. 2007, roughly 2008 maybe. Are they going to go and win a second consecutive road game at night? It's hard to win Thursday night road games. It is hard to do that. Particularly coming off what a win last week was against Dallas, but again, I think they're going to do it, and I don't like feeling that way. I like thinking they're going to lose. I like being wrong. Excuse me. I like being told I'm wrong. I thought they were going to lose to Tennessee. I was wrong. I thought they were going to lose to Dallas. I was wrong. That's why I don't like the fact that I think they're going to win tomorrow. I like this trend that we're on. News out today in Tennessee that Ryan Tannehill most likely done for the year, according to Paul Kaharski, who is one of the guys, certainly in Nashville, he's not just going to throw that out there without some knowledge on the topic. If Ryan Tannehill's out for the year, is Tennessee going to win again with Malik Willis as their starting quarterback? Houston, Dallas, Jacksonville. Are they going to win again if Tannehill is indeed done? A lot of interesting things going on. Very, very interesting things. How things are lining up for the Jaguars. Mike White happens to get hurt. The Jets got to go to Zach Wilson. Ryan Tannehill happens to get hurt. It appears the Titans got to go to Malik Willis. Things are seemingly lining up. Can the Jaguars take advantage of it? We'll find out tomorrow night. It is an enormous game. I'll be with you beginning at 3 o'clock with Hayes Carline on the the Wingstop pregame show. Looking forward to that. We got a lot to do. More on the Jaguars and the Jets all night beginning with Leon Searcy. Coming up in about 20 minutes. It is the December early signing period. <clears throat> Excuse me. This weather is playing havoc with me. <clears throat> By the way, stay warm out there. You see the forecast in the next couple of days? Cold. Saying the coldest Christmas maybe in 30 years. 30 years. Good grief. December signing period. Florida Gator fans. We got four of your signees joining us in the next hour. We'll begin in less than 10 minutes. Trayon Webb, Trinity Christian running back, signed with Florida today. Jakeem Jackson, four-star defensive back, Kissimmee Osceola, signed with Florida today. They're coming up next, Leon Circe. after that. We got a busy night on Hacker After Dark. It's all football all the time. And we're glad you're with us. With Dylan Denmark, the Hacker Ryan Green with you. It is a Wednesday night, a cold and wet Wednesday night in the city of Jacksonville. here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.
0: Coverage of college football's early signing period on 1010XL is brought to you by the personal injury law firm of Harrell & Harrell.
2: Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. One of the big national signing day here in the month of December. Prospects in Northeast Florida is now a Florida Gator. Trayon Webb, the running back of Trinity Christian, he joins us here on 1010XL. Trayon, how we doing?
3: I'm doing good.
2: Trayon, congratulations, man. It was a long time coming. I know this recruiting process for you started years ago when you started receiving your first offers. What is today like now that the process has officially come to an end?
4: Uh, this is a blessing. It's been a long time coming. I've been going through the process for a little minute. So just for it to finally, uh, this uh, is just for it to finally just be accomplished and just all my hard work paying off is a blessing.
2: You know, I want to get into obviously Florida Gator fans certainly want to hear from you, but, but quickly let's talk about Trinity Christian. I mean, the career you had there, the state championships that you had there, obviously it did not end this year the way you would have hoped. But when you look back in totality on your time at Trinity Christian, uh, what are your greatest and fondest memories? Uh,
4: Just going out there and making plays for my team, just doing what I can to help my team win. But like you said, it didn't end how we wanted it to end this year, but I'm, I'm thankful for the other state championships that I did win. So you know, I'm just I'm grateful for my time at Trinity.
2: You know, you played with some terrific players at Trinity. You obviously had Verlin Dormany there. As your head coach, every time I talk with Coach Dormany, he can't say enough positive things about you. What was your relationship like with Coach Dormany at Trinity Christian?
4: Uh, it was like a mentor um, mentor relationship, father-son relationship, really everything. You know, Uh he great man, you know, he, he, pretty cool. Dormany, he, he just made you want to play hard just for him, you know, just going out there and just playing and giving them your all just for, for Coach cool. Dormany. You know, it was it was always a blessing. You know, coming in, I, I, I always looked up to try to play for him. He was kind of like a legend in my eyes. So being able to just play for him and make plays for him, you know, it was it was special.
2: Trayon Webb of Trinity Christian, soon to be at the University of Florida. Trayon, you could have gone anywhere, man. You had uh, schools left and right recruiting you for years. What was it about Billy Napier? What was it ultimately about the Florida Gators?
4: Uh, just the relationship with the coaches, you know, just academics, that was a big part of it too. You know, just being a Gator, you know, you kind of grow up, especially in Jacksonville, really kind of grow up knowing the Georgia Bulldogs and Florida Gators. So being able to play for any one of those teams you was know, just a blessing.
2: You know, obviously this season did not go the way that Florida fans hoped it would have gone, but I think it's clear when you see what Billy Napier is doing uh, with his staff, right, with recruiting, the brand-new football Facility, getting players like you, getting players like Jaden Rashada that are coming in. I mean, clearly the arrow appears to be pointing up there in Gainesville.
4: Oh yeah, uh, like I said, he's he's he laying the foundation. Uh, I mean, it's not like when it takes one year for everything to turn around, especially like with a program like a like Alabama or Georgia. It will take years to build that foundation and build off of that. So. You know, I feel like we're going in the right direction. The foundation of BLA.
2: You know, I've asked you this in the past, but for people that haven't heard those conversations, you have personal interaction with Coach Napier. Gator fans that are listening right now, <laughs> they don't get that personal one-on-one interaction. What kind of guy is he, Trayon? What do you like yeah. about him?
3: Uh, he's
4: a great man. I mean, he's he's a reflection of all the coaches he's been around. So he he coached under Davos, Sweeney, under Nick Saban, so he he's coached under some great uh. Men and great individuals and great coaches. So he's he's kind of reflects all of the coaches that he's coached up under. You know, he's just a family first guy, team first guy. He wants to make sure all his players are taken care of because he feels like if his players taken care of, they will play hard. So he he's, he's all about the team.
2: A couple of more for Trayon Webb who uh signed on the dotted line today with the university of Florida. Trayon, you're not going to Gainesville alone from our area. Roderick Kearney from Orange Park. Sharif Denson, Bartram Trail, also headed to Gainesville. Clearly, Florida has made the Jacksonville area a priority. Uh, what's your thought on Kearney and Denson both going with you down there to Gainesville?
4: Uh, Just I'm I'm glad I'm not the only one coming down there uh, to Gainesville. I'm ready to play with them guys. No, know there's some dogs, you know, they – Great great young man, just like I feel like I'm a great young man too. So I, I'm just ready to get to work with them guys.
2: Treyon, as we wrap up, I've had the benefit of watching you play live, watching your tape, but there are some Gator fans that did not make it out to Trinity Christian. Maybe they've seen highlights of you, but what type of running back are you? How would you describe your game? What are the Florida Gators getting with Trayon Webb?
4: Uh, just a playmaker with a ball in his hands. Anytime I can try to make impact on the game, uh, I do it any way I can. And just really, like, I'm one of those guys. I know I, I, I get strong as the game goes. So if you just keep feeding a guy like me or if I just see open, I'm just hit it and just do everything I can to help my team win.
2: What's life like for you now? When do you head to Gainesville?
4: Uh, true. I, I go, leave to go to the All-American game January 2nd. I'm going to be there for a week, and then I come back and I check in to Gainesville January 8th.
2: Wow, it is right around the corner. You'll be enrolled in classes, you'll be on the practice field and you will be ready to go. Final question, Treyon. I mean, it's such a big day for not only you, but I know your family ties with with D Web certainly and, and your, you know, your parents, your mentors. What was it like for your family and friends to, to finally see this thing come to fruition?
4: Uh just like I said, it was a blessing. Everybody happy, you know, it's it all came pretty fast. You know, it's been a long process, but it also did come pretty fast. You know, like I said, we're always just ready to get to the next level you know, just continue on the journey.
2: Dreon, you've been one of the best players in Northeast Florida that we've seen in quite some time, a terrific high school career. Every time I've called you or texted, you've always been kind enough to join me, man. I really appreciate that. Best of luck at the University of Florida, and there's no doubt we will be watching, my friend. Thank you. Right, thank you. And a big thank you to Trinity Christian running back Trayon Webb for joining us here on the Farrah and Farrah phone line. Of course, Treyon from Trinity heading down to the University of Florida. He is the third player from Trinity Christian to head to Florida in the last couple of years. He'll join wide receiver Marcus Burke and offensive tackle Austin Barber that are already in Gainesville from Trinity Christian. Now let's welcome in on the Farrah and Farrah phone line a four-star cornerback from Kissimmee Osceola, I had the chance earlier today to catch up with four-star corner, Jakeem Jackson. Our signing day coverage continues here on 1010XL in Jacksonville, of course the home of the Florida Gators in the city of Jacksonville and they got a big one from down in the Kissimmee area that is signed on the dotted line today. Jakeem Jackson, one of the newest Florida Gators in the class of 2023, and Jakeem joins us here on 1010XL. 10, 10 Jakeem, how we doing?
3: I'm good. How about yourself, sir?
2: Jakeem, we're good, man. Thank you for the time, and uh, boy, what a day. As you signed today with the University of Florida, just take us through the emotions. I know it's been a long process Ultimately ending today with you officially becoming a Gator?
3: Uh, it was a rough process. You know, you start committed. You know, we had schools still pushing uh, to try to get me, but nothing's really changed after I've been to Florida a couple times. So I was always locked in. So it's a good feeling.
2: Jakeem, what was it about Billy Napier and the University of Florida that led you in that direction?
3: Uh, you know, it's a new staff. They're going to come up with new things, new good things. And, you know, we built a good relationship. Uh, not only just me, but my parents. And, yeah, so feel good about them.
2: You know, you look at this class, Jakeem. I mean, you being in the secondary, so many guys in the secondary, both at corner and safety. We got one right here in Sharif Denson. From Bartram Trail, that's about to be one of your teammates down there in Gainesville. What is it like to be part of such a good defensive back class?
3: Uh, it's a good thing, you know, because you play with elite players, so they only gonna get you better during practice and everything. So it's just a blessing playing with good players like them. A
2: couple of more for Jakeem Jackson out of Kissimmee Osceola. He signs today with the University of Florida. Jakeem, for Gator fans that are listening right now that haven't seen your tape, haven't seen uh, you play live, they've heard a lot about you, but maybe haven't seen you, what type of player are you? How would you describe your game?
3: Uh, I play smart. Uh, I play physical. And I play I play with a lot of speed to help me start the whole game.
2: You know, you just became a Florida Gator. Today. I mean, you're going to play in front of 90,000 at the Swamp and in the Southeastern Conference. I mean, what what does
3: that feel like? Uh, The SEC is like you're playing with the best of the best. So, like, you got all the fans coming. So, that's really turning up the pace. So, I'm not ready for that.
2: Final moments here with Jakeem Jackson of Kissimmee Osceola. Uh, you know, you mentioned Billy Napier, also Corey Raymond, who's about to be your position coach. Jakeem, a lot of Gator fans that listen, you know, they get to see these guys uh, give, you know, speeches and press conferences, but they don't get the one-on-one interaction with the coaches that you do. I mean, describe them to Gator fans. How would you describe uh, what you like about both Corey
3: Raymond and
2: Billy Napier? Uh, they check up on you and everything.
3: Coach Raymond, he got a good resume on producing a lot of uh, first-rounders. and So, I feel like I should be one of the next ones to come out first-rounders. So, I trust him with his uh, coaching and everything and discipline and all that. So, so yeah, I'm ready for it.
2: You know, final questions, Jakeem. You know, you look at the ranking boards, and you're considered to be among, you know, the top 100 players in America. Have you stopped during this process and kind of thought about that? You know, just – kind of your hard work and everything you've done to get to this point and just how highly thought of you were during this process?
3: Oh Yeah, I really hit because I remember I was, like, uh, earlier this year when I first got recruited, like, on my 24-7 sports account, I was, like, the number six hundred and six player in the nation. And now I'm top 100, so that's, that's really a blessing. But, you know, I stick to the script, kept working, kept better myself every day. Be disciplined to myself, and high, and I had a lot of uh, high expectations for myself. So I just followed that process throughout this whole thing. Yeah, worked out pretty good.
2: It's a special day for you. It's also a special day for your family, your friends, your your inner circle. What does today mean for them?
3: Uh, it means a lot for them because I was uh, I'm the first like uh, player to go. I'm the first one up there to go to college or uh, my house. You know, I had an older brother, but it didn't work out. So I'm I'm the first one. So it really uh meant a lot, you know, because all the uh, hard work and sacrifice. a parents gave you know, you can't let them down. So, so, yeah.
2: Jakeem, final question. A lot of Gator fans up here in Jacksonville are very excited about you coming. Um, you have a message for them? Anything you want Gator fans to know?
3: Uh, I'm just ready to work and be great up there. do it.
2: What's your plan? Are you arriving in January?
3: Yeah, I'm moving January 8th.
2: Well, Jakeem Jackson of Kissimmee Osceola, one of the newest Florida Gators. as see signs on the dotted line today for the class of 2023. Jakeem, congratulations on a terrific high school career. Best of luck at the University of Florida, and we'll certainly be watching you there in Gainesville.
3: All right, appreciate you. Appreciate you, man, for
2: real. There you go. Thank you to Trayon Webb a Trinity Christian, Jakeem Jackson of Kissimmee Osceola. We'll bring you conversations with two more Gator signees later on tonight, Jordan Castile of the Orlando area, a four-star safety, and Jaden Robinson of Lake City, Columbia, a four-star linebacker who also both signed with Florida earlier today. But it's all about the Jaguars and the Jets right now. Less than 24 hours from kickoff. Up at East Rutherford, New Jersey, let's talk to the birthday boy, Leon Searcy. You hear him every day on XL Primetime. He's my co-host on the fifth quarter, and he always is kind enough to join us here weekly on Hacker After Dark. We're going to preview Jaguars-Jets with Leon Searcy next on a Wednesday night here in Jacksonville. It's Hacker After Dark.
0: No. No. Another interview on the Farrah & Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah & Farrah.
2: Back here on 1010XL at 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. The Jaguars and the Jets. Less than 24 hours from now up in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Of course, you'll hear the game right here on 1010XL. It is an enormous game for both teams. Let's talk about it with a man that's used to playing in big football games, 11 years in the National Football League. You hear him every day on XL Primetime. And he's also celebrating a birthday today, my friend, Leon Searcy. Leon, happy birthday, man. Appreciate it, bro. Appreciate it. You know, the Jaguars and the Jets uh, tomorrow night, Leon. Boy, such a quick turnaround for the Jaguars. Let's talk about that aspect first. An emotional win, huge win over Dallas, and my goodness, they're already playing again tomorrow night. How do you feel like they'll handle that?
5: Well, I mean, uh, we, you're gonna you're gonna see uh, how mature this team is uh, based upon how they play on Thursday, because uh, um, you hope that this team didn't treat the game against the Cowboys like a Super Bowl. All right, because there's still work to do. Yes, it was an amazing win, amazing comeback win in overtime with the pick six with Rashad Jenkins and everything, but you've got work to do. So it's encompassed upon the coaching staff to get that in the minds of these players for them to understand that the Dallas Cowboy game was not their Super Bowl, that they control their own destiny. If they went out there in and who would they expect the Jacksonville Jaguars to be contending for a playoff position when the start of the season, you know, everybody had them picked at five wins, six wins, maybe seventh wins and they thought maybe next year was their time to kind of make that leap forward. But this could be their year. They win this big game on the road against the Jets, beat a Texas team, and next thing you know, you're hosting the Tennessee Titans at home with the right to go to the playoffs, bro. Don't get any bigger than that.
2: Leon, how hard is it to go on the road on a Thursday night? Um, You
5: know, well, believe it or not, I've never had that opportunity to actually play on a Thursday night game. Uh, When I played, Uh, but it's got to be extremely hard because, you gotta know, the grueling battle of playing the game on Sunday. uh, You usually need at least two days for your body to heal. I usually come in on Mondays, watch the film, do your workout, do your running, get your rehab Tuesday, usually off to get some rest. Then you're practicing on Wednesday. Uh, The Jaguars. All that is cut in half now when you got a Thursday night game. Uh, most of the stuff you're probably doing in, in, in the practice is mental reps, not doing anything physical. Coaching staff still wants you to get your run in, wants you to get your lift in, get your film in. Uh, then the turnaround's quick. Next thing you know, you're on the bus, you're on the plane, uh, and you're in the city on the road to play a game. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna see how mature this team is, with their ability to trans translate from that Sunday amazing win on Sunday. To how they're going to play on Thursday, because mentally you've got to be all in on this game Thursday, or it could be disastrous for you.
2: Former Jaguar Pro Bowl offensive tackle Leon Circe here with us on Hacker After Dark. Leon, why is Trevor Lawrence playing like a top five quarterback in the league?
5: Well, you know what, you know what, Hacker. You know, I was talking about this on the air a couple of days ago and on uh, on prime time. You know it. It happened to me when I played. When I initially came into the league and I, my first year started, everything went so fast in front of me. I mean, every, the, the, the the blitz, the twist, the games, and I struggled mightily with my first year when I was with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then all of a sudden, the, the more reps I got, the more comfortable I got with my technique, my fundamentals, film, and all that kind of stuff. It's a phenomenon I cannot explain to you, Hack, but the game actually slows down. When you're playing, yeah, everybody's going full speed, but mentally you see what's happening a lot faster uh, than you did initially. And I think that's what that's what's going on with Trevor Lawrence. I think he's just seeing the game sped up, sped up faster in his brain. He's making decisions a lot quicker. I can't explain the phenomenon. It happened to me when I was playing. I think that's the reason why Trevor's playing so mightily compared to early on in the season. I think he just gets it now, and he's trusting himself more. And uh, not, not to say that the game is, is slow, but just in your mindset, it seems a little slower, and you're quick. You're quicker when it comes to your decision making.
2: Leon Jawan Taylor is listed as questionable. We're going to assume he's going to play. We know Cam Robinson is not. He's been placed on IR with the meniscus. So insert Walker Little at left tackle. Your level of confidence, if it's Walker Little and a maybe seventy five to eighty percent Jawan Taylor as your two tackles tomorrow night.
5: Well my confident level in Jawan Taylor who's had a pretty decent season this year. He's been pretty solid, pretty stable. Uh at seventy five percent um I'm at a seven He'll play well. He'll be styled in there. He'll be physical and give adequate protection. Walker Little at 100%. I'm at a four. I'm still concerned about his pass protection. He has a tendency to to, to stop his feet, to stop his momentum when guys are beating him, when guys are rushing outside or they're making a move inside. I mean, to be quite honest with you, he's the reason why current Cam Robinson got hurt. He got beat. On the inside move by Michael Parsons, froze his feet, got inside, went out to Trevor. He rolled on the back of Cam Robinson's legs, and he's got the meniscus tear. You know, not to call the kid out, but you can't, you can't have that in this game Thursday because you've got the franchise's backside. You've got to elevate your play to protect Trevor Lawrence at all costs. So he's going to have to have a stellar, stellar game in order to give us a half a chance in winning it. He's going to be the key. If Trevor Lawrence is, is constantly being harassed from his backside, he's going to lose his trust in his backside, which may hinder his ability to hold in the pocket and throw the accurate throws. So Cam Walker-Little has got to do a stellar job this Thursday as far as protections-wise if we're going to have a chance.
2: A couple of more for former Jaguar Pro Bowl offensive tackle Leon Searcy. Leon, the Jets are banged up too. I don't want them to pretend that they're not, but clearly Jacksonville banged up going into this game defensively as it was announced earlier today that Trayvon Walker and Foley Fatakasi both will not play. What does that do to the Jaguar front seven?
5: Well, next man up. I mean, listen, I mean, that means that uh, smooth has got to play a lot. I mean, Arden Keyes has got to play a lot, and they did an outstanding job against the Cowboys uh, this past Sunday. Uh, It's got to be next man up. I mean, whoever, whatever body you got out there, they've got to elevate their play to make sure that we are not hindered in any way when it comes to the run or the pass. I mean, this team is on the verge of the playoffs. I mean, whoever needs to come in there and step up their game and make it happen, you got to make it happen. Listen. If you want, listen. You can either go home for Christmas, or you can you could take a stance these next few weeks to see if you're playing in January. Uh, that's what it boils down to. You're either gonna be watching it or playing it. So hopefully this this young Jaguar team is excited about the possibilities of being in the playoffs and playing in January. Uh, you, there's no other place your head should be.
2: Leon, in 1996, you guys were four and seven. You go to Baltimore, inexplicably, Vinny Testaverde fumbles the ball. The Jaguars recover. You guys go down and score and ultimately win the game. And that started a winning streak that took you all the way to New England for the AFC Championship game. Now, I'm not saying this is going to be a repeat, but there's no doubt some odd things are happening. You're losing to Baltimore this year in the fourth quarter. Trevor Lawrence goes 75 yards in the final minutes of the game. To score a touchdown, the Jaguars go for two, and they get it to win. Then they go to Nashville, a place they haven't won in nine years, and just dominate the Titans. Last week, Dallas up 27-10 to 10 with five minutes to go in the third quarter. The Jaguars come back, take the lead. Trevor then has the fumble that you think costs them the game. It's over. Yet the defense stops them. The offense drives down. Patterson the kick. The pick six, I mean, the last three wins are unbelievable. You know, whether you call it a team of destiny, whatever verbiage you want to use, does there become a point in a locker room, Leon, where you start believing regardless of the circumstance that you're just simply going to win the game?
5: Hag, I'm telling you, this is 96 rebooted. I'm telling you, some funny stuff happened to us, and we just took it. We just took the, the the win as a win, and it got us closer to where we needed to go. I mean, because listen, it it's like this: it, it doesn't matter how you get to the party, as long as you get to dance. That's that's my that's what we've always said. How you get there doesn't matter. What happens for you, don't care. Long as we're dancing in January, that's all this team should be thinking about. You know, has some stuff falling our way. The, has the ball finally bounced right for Jacksonville? Absolutely. The, that old saying of same old Jaguars, that's out the door now. This is a, i I truly believe. Uh, I'm not going to say a team of destiny, but I truly believe this team believes that given the opportunity uh, at, any, at any given moment with 16 back there, if we give him the ball, he can win a game for us. You know, it was the same way with eight. When we had eight in in, in the late nineties, if Brunel had the ball in his hands, we knew we had a shot. So I, I I believe the same thing with Trevor Lawrence. I believe that the offense believes that. I believe the defense believes that. Now what I don't like is the fact that we're giving these giving these teams these these early leads and having to come back. It will be it will be a lot more refreshing to like start the game off seven nothing, fourteen nothing, ten to nothing instead of having to come from behind. So hopefully that this team understands that, that uh, it's, it's a lot better to start fast than to finish fast, or vice versa.
2: Former Jaguar Pro Bowl offensive tackle Leon Searcy, I'll be I'll be fascinated because normally the Jaguars are the underdog or the team that doesn't have a chance, and now all of a sudden they're the team that's going to win out and go to the playoffs. And I'll be curious how they handle those expectations. And what is a tough putt, Leon? What's not? Make any bones about this. You and I talked about it earlier. Winning a game like Dallas and having to go on the road to New York—it's going to be cold. It's going to be wet. That's going to be hard tomorrow night. I hope Jaguar fans realize that. Yeah, it's going to
5: be—it's going to be an uphill. It's going to be—and—and the, and the, listen, the Jets are a good team defensively. They get it done. They make you earn every yard, run, run or pass. They've got one of the best back four in the nfl as far as corners and safeties go and they got a pretty good uh stout front four as well um uh, so i mean it's going to be an uphill battle they've got to, this is going to be a it's going to be a grudge match i mean Jacksonville's not going to go there and just blow them away they're going to have to fight for every first down every third down conversion every field goal and every touchdown so it's going to be an uphill battle but you know you've got to weather the storm weather the elements Ride that wave and give yourself some punches chance in the fourth quarter, and let's see what happens.
2: Leon, who wins the game tomorrow night? I've got Jacksonville
5: winning the game 20-13. to 13.
2: Oh, man. And if they win that game, they're 7-8, they have a mini-bye, they got 10 days off to kind of rest up, get some guys back. What a weekend it would be if Jacksonville does it. Regardless of what happens, Leon, You and I and Head Coach Dave Campo, a special fifth quarter in for the drill Friday morning from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. That should be a lot of fun, man. I know you're looking forward to that like I am.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll bring breakfast. (laughs)
2: Leon Searcy, I will talk to you at 7 a.m. Friday morning. Again, happy birthday, my friend.
0: Appreciate it, bro. Coverage of college football's early signing period on 1010XL is brought to you by the personal injury law firm of Harrell & Harrell.
2: Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville, we're glad you're with us. The December signing period has arrived and it's been a big day for the Florida Gators as they got a signature on the dotted line from Jordan Castile, a four-star Safety from West Orange High School down in the Orlando area. And Jordan joins us here on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Jordan, how we doing?
1: I'm doing good. How about yourself?
2: Jordan, we're good, man. Thank you for the time. Boy, a long time coming for you, a guy that's been recruited by so many programs. I'm sure this process started for you, what, years ago now. What is it like to reach the finish line and officially be a Florida Gator?
1: Nah, I'm blessed for real. It's just, you know, it's been a long journey. You know, it's still not done yet. But, you know, just taking it day by day.
2: You know, what was it about Billy Napier? What was it about the University of Florida that led you in that direction?
1: Um, I really just like the coach up there. You know, I kind of see what um, Coach Napier, like what he got going on, like what he trying to do up there. And I'm all in.
2: And, and look, people talk about the football facility. People talk about the recruiting staff. Obviously, this great class that Billy Napier is putting together. I mean, what is it like for you, a four-star, a guy that was recruited by so many schools, you've picked Florida, and you're a big part of what Billy Napier is trying to do there in Gainesville. What does that feel like for you?
1: Um, You know, it, it, it feels real good, though, you know, just to be a part of it. And, you know, just, just us about to make history, so... You know, it's a lot of things. You know, I got to get out there and work. But, yeah, I'm ready, though. Let's do it.
2: Jordan, for people, again, Jordan Castile of West Orange, a four-star safety on his way to the University of Florida. For people that have maybe seen highlights of you but maybe haven't seen you play live, what what type of football player are you, Jordan? How would you describe your game to Gator fans?
1: Um, Really just, like, um, like high energy, you know, vocal, just, yeah, like just being around the ball
2: safety for you in college is that the plan
1: um well that's why I like I feel like that's why like I'm more like I'm liked a lot because I can really play corner safety nickel so I feel like and that's that's the same with like other guys that we had committed like everybody can play everything so I feel like that's like a strong you know that's a big thing to have so you're gonna see us everywhere
2: You know, you're part of a ridiculous defensive back class with yourself, DeJon Johnson, Sharif Denson up here at Bartram Trail in our area. I mean, you can go on down the line. It is crazy how many good defensive backs are in this class. What is it like to know you're coming in with so many good players?
1: It's like it feels even better, you know, just like playing, you know, you're playing around good guys and stuff like that, you know, guys who really want it.
2: Jordan, you're a Florida Gator. I mean, what does that what does that feel like when I say that?
1: Man, it feels good, especially me being, you know, from Orlando, Florida. You know, that's only an hour and a half away, so my family could come see me anytime. You know, so I feel like I I like it even more of that. Jordan Castile, final moments, West Orange High School in the Orlando
2: area, has signed with the University of Florida. Jordan, for Gator fans here in Jacksonville, they don't get the personal interaction with say Billy Napier or Corey Raymond. And I know you've talked to the coaches several times one on one. Describe yeah. to Gator fans what they're like. What do you like about both Raymond and Napier?
1: Um Raymond, like when I worked out with Coach Raymond just like for like an hour, it was like so much that he had taught me. And like coach Coach Raymond, he's just like such like a like a good person, you know, like he got a good he got a good background off LSU and with coach Napier his background at Louisiana and just like how he is as a person you know just checking in calling to see if i'm all right yeah man like it's just it's just really good people out there
2: and jordan look it's a huge day for you but it's also a huge day for your family your friends everybody in your inner circle what's what's been the reaction during this process and ultimately with today signing on the dotted line from from family and friends, I imagine they got to be very very happy for you.
1: Yeah, you know, we all taking it in, but yeah, man, we we ready. We got this countdown ready to move in, so we got a lot of stuff to get done up there.
2: Yeah, what's the plan now? I mean, are you when are you uh, when are you heading to Gainesville?
1: Um, move, I move in up there on January eighth.
2: Wow, and I, we got. I mean that's yeah. that's surreal, right? I mean you're going to be yes. at the University of Florida in what two and a half weeks. I mean that's got to be that's got to be unbelievably exciting.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, it is.
2: Well, Jordan, it's a great day for you, a great day for your family. You got a message. There's a lot of Gator fans up here in Jacksonville, man, that want to see Billy Napier and the, and everybody down there <laughs> turn this thing around. You got a message for Gator fans.
1: Man just I can just only tell y'all, man, stay patient, you know, give us some time, and trust me we 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 got y'all,
2: Jordan. I know you're busy, man. Thank you so much for the time uh congratulations on a big day for you, man. You have earned it, and uh best of luck moving forward. We'll be watching you in Gainesville.
1: appreciate it, appreciate it, thank you for having me,
2: and a big thank you to four star safety Jordan Castile from the Orlando area for joining us. On the Farrah and Farrah phone line tonight, Jordan on his way to the University of Florida after signing on the dotted line with the Gators earlier today. Now, let's head to Columbia County for a four-star linebacker that looks every bit the part of a guy that's going to have a big role at the University of Florida. Let's welcome back onto the Farrah and Farrah phone line, Jaden Robinson. I had the chance to catch up with Jaden Robinson, the four-star linebacker of the Lake City Columbia Tigers. Earlier today, here's that conversation on Hacker After Dark. The December early signing period has arrived in the uh, national landscape for the college recruiting and the Florida Gators have a big day today. That includes getting a signature from four-star linebacker Jaden Robinson of Lake City, Columbia. He is on his way to the University of Florida it's a big day and Jaden joins us here on 1010XL Jaden how we doing doing good hey Jaden I know it's a big day for you and your family just talk about the emotions man being a Florida Gator what does it feel like it feels great to be a Florida Gator coming in joining their legacy and everything that they have
6: done great trying to bring back another championship
2: you know a guy like you you had offers all over the place Uh, you could have gone to many different schools Uh, It's a long process. I know you started getting offers probably, what, your sophomore year. What is it like now? Yeah, what is it like to be at the finish line? The recruiting process is over, and you're going to be in Gainesville in a couple of weeks.
6: Just happy to get it over with and ready to get to work in college. at the Gators.
2: What was it, Jaden, about Billy Napier and the University of Florida?
6: It was just the connection with him and Coach Batesman and Coach P. Coach Peterson, it was a great combine with my family, and it all connected.
2: You know, Lake City, obviously the proximity to Gainesville. Your family will get to see you come play at the University of Florida. Did that weigh on your decision at all?
6: Yes, sir, definitely.
2: Jaden Robinson, a four-star linebacker from Lake City, Columbia, has signed with the Florida Gators. He is going to enroll in Gainesville there in a couple of weeks. Jaden, for Gator fans listening tonight, they don't get the interaction with Billy Napier with Mike Peterson mm-hmm. like you do. Um, what is it like? Describe Coach Peterson, Coach Napier. What do you like about them?
6: Uh, both of them are they're great. They're great coaches off the field. Great role models, and they just and they just help me help me help me, help me through college step by step.
2: You know this recruiting class that Billy Napier is putting together is going to look it looks like it's going to be in the top 10 in the country. There's a lot of really good players coming in and and this class is going to be looked at to kind of turn things around at Florida, maybe mm. change the culture if you will. Are you excited yes, to be a part of that? Are you excited for that opportunity?
6: Yes, I'm very excited to change the culture around at Florida.
2: You know, with the brand new football facility there, I'm sure you you've probably seen that on your official visit. What is that place like?
6: It looks great. It's amazing. One of the best places, one of the best cities that I've been in throughout my um, business.
2: You know, you have the unique perspective that you were committed to South Carolina. Uh, you uh, changed your commitment to Florida. Now you've been committed for a few months. How hard is this process? You know, we always talk about, you know, mm-hmm. this guy is committed here or this guy is committed there. But you're the person that actually goes through it. You're the one that has to deal with. Quite frankly, guys like me and all the coaches calling you nonstop. Mm-hmm. What is the recruiting process like, Jaden?
6: The recruiting is very, it great at times and it can be frustrating, but I'm just really happy I made my choice and I love my choice I made. I feel great about it.
2: Final moments here with Jaden Robinson, a four-star linebacker from Lake City, Columbia, on his way to the University of Florida. <laughs> Let's talk about Lake City, Columbia. You were a terrific football player over there for the Columbia Tigers, Jaden. What does Lake City Columbia High School mean to you?
6: It means a lot to me. Gro- growing up, watching all the all the alumni Tigers, such as Timmy uh Larry Tuxell, Trey Marshall, Mike Williams, Latrell Williams, all those guys, and there's more. Watching those guys growing up, and it's just they're like great role models of me.
2: You know, when you play high school football at a place like Lake City Columbia, you play. Great competition every week. Do you feel that playing at a school that high profile with your schedule, does that prepare you for what you're going to see at the next level?
6: Yes, sir, definitely, because I'm playing against guys that i see at the next level.
2: Jaden Robinson of Lake City, Columbia, final thoughts. Jaden, you know, big day for you. We talk about your family, your friends, your inner circle. What does it mean to all of them that you're going to be able to continue your football career at a place like the University of Florida?
6: It means a lot to them because a lot of them are Gator fans, and it's close by, and they'll get to see all my games.
2: There's no doubt about that. And, you know, I talked with Treyon Webb earlier from Trinity Christian. There's you, Roderick Kearney at Orange <laughs> Park, Sharif Denson at Bartram Trail. Jane. it really appears that Billy Napier and the Gators have put an emphasis on Northeast Florida, on getting guys from Lake City, Jacksonville, Orange Park—does that feel good knowing that you're going down there with Trayon, with Sharif, with Roderick from this area?
6: Yeah, it feels good because we already have a connection before. We already made a connection before we even got there.
2: Well, certainly, Gator fans are unbelievably excited. Jaden, final two thoughts. Number one, I asked you this earlier, but I mean, you're playing in the swamp. Your next time on yeah. in pads. You're going to be in front of 90,000 people at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium at, at Florida Field. I mean, what, is, what does that feel like?
6: That feels great. The fans is like it's very electric inside of, the, inside of the swamp. I can't wait for that moment to come, though, playing Jay- in front of
2: the swamp. Hey, Jaden, a lot of Gator fans listening tonight. A lot of fans very excited that you're on your way to Gainesville. Any sort of message for the Gator fans listening tonight? Uh i just got to say
6: is go Gators. And, uh, class 23 is going to change the culture around.
2: Jaden Robinson of Lake City, Columbia. He is on his way to the University of Florida. In fact, he will enroll in Gainesville in the next two and a half weeks. Jaden, it's a big night, man. Congratulations. Best of luck moving forward. We'll certainly be watching you in Gainesville. Thank you.
0: Another interview on the Farrah & Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah & Farrah.
2: Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. The Jaguars and the Jets, Thursday night, 8 o'clock. Of course, you'll hear the game right here on 1010XL and what all of a sudden now is a very big game in the AFC playoff picture as the Jaguars, with three weeks to go, amazingly enough, now control their own destiny for an AFC South division title. Let's talk Jaguars. Let's talk Trevor Lawrence. With Steve Palazzaro, you hear him on the uh, Pro Football Focus podcast. He is a senior analyst at PFF, and Steve's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Steve, how we doing?
0: Doing great. Appreciate you having me.
2: Hey, Steve, thank you for the time, man. As always, know you're busy this time of year. All right, Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars wins over Baltimore, Tennessee, and of course, most recently, Dallas. Steve, what have you made of the Jaguars' uh, emergence in the playoff picture here over the last couple of weeks?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the season started with some promise and then they hit a lull. But, uh, you know, the, the biggest story, of course, has to be Trevor Lawrence and his developments. You know, I think you know, the, the first year and a half or so of his career, you're just looking for glimmers of hope and glimmers of what made him the number one overall pick. And that's all we really got until, say, week nine or so this season. I mean, that was when our grading uh, looks that, – that's kind of like the story in, in the PFF grading system, at least, where the Raiders game looked like a it completely flipped a switch there. Um, the, the comeback against the Raiders you know, had a really good game against the Chiefs, the Ravens, um, and all the way down the line. So, for me, it's just watching Trevor Lawrence live up to the potential. No, it, this was the way I expected him to play almost immediately – you know, the, the big-time throws, the plays inside the pocket, outside the pocket, the ability to flip the field with, with, with throws. He just didn't show much of that the first year and a half. I thought he'd have some growing pains, but but still show the you know those flashes. He didn't show nearly enough of those. But the last few weeks have been spectacular. And uh, I think Lawrence has really developed into what we thought he could be, which is a guy that could take over games. You know, even if you're down big against the Cowboys, he can – you know, put 50-plus-yard touchdowns on the board outside the pocket. Those are the special traits that Lawrence has always had, and we're finally starting to see them on the field these last few weeks.
2: I'll tell you, Steve, it's all about checking boxes, and I thought another box was checked on Sunday. Back in the day, even as recently as six weeks ago, something went wrong for Trevor. It was almost a quicksand effect, right? Another thing would go wrong, and you couldn't dig yourself out. Against Dallas, he threw the pick. Dallas kicks a field goal, 27-10 responds right away, 59-yard touchdown to Zay Jones. And obviously they're in the fourth quarter with 90 seconds to go. The fumble that you thought cost Jacksonville the game. No, he gets another opportunity, drives him down for a field goal. I thought that showed a lot of growth for a really young quarterback.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, with, with, with Lawrence, you know, I know he was getting all the Andrew Luck comps and Peyton Manning or whatever they would be. I I really thought a lot of his early career would be like an Andrew luck. And and I think knowing what Andrew luck did, he was, he was the guy that would put the team on his back, but he also, he, he created some fires too, as my podcast partner likes to say, he'd create some fires, but he'd also put them out later. Um, And I think that's okay. I I thought Lawrence would, would be that guy early in his career where he'd, he'd throw a bad pick here and there or have a bad play, but because of the arm talent would be able to make up for it. So a game like yesterday shows that right the the ability not only mentally to bounce back from that but physically just the, the physical tools to be able to make those comebacks and make good decisions down the stretch but also be able to you know make those outside the numbers throws uh win inside the pocket outside the pocket win with your legs when needed you know but even before the fumble so I, I think all of that's great even if you look at Lawrence the last few weeks it it hasn't been perfect he's put the ball in harm's way a lot but all any negative plays have been trumped by a slew of special plays. You know, even just rolling out the pocket and you know, throwing a catchable, catchable ball in the end zone that didn't become a touchdown yesterday. Like seeing all of those plays add up for Trevor Lawrence over the last five or six weeks have been just fantastic. Yeah, I and mean, he just he just continues to, to make strides.
2: Steve Palazzolo, senior analyst, pro football focus. He's with us here on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Steve, I mean, what can be said about the arrival of Doug Peterson from inheriting the mess, and I do mean the mess that Urban Meyer left to where Jacksonville is now with three weeks to go controlling their own destiny for the AFC South. I mean, what a job Doug Peterson's done in a very short amount of
0: time. Yeah, I mean, he inherited potentially the worst coaching situation in, in NFL history. I mean, or or followed, I should say, the the worst coaching situation job in nfl history i mean it wasn't just the jaguars didn't win games obviously everything off the field was bad i don't think anybody wanted to be there um you can hear it in players voices you can hear it in coaches voices coaches that were there last year they were all demoralized so um doug peterson not only a guy that knows quarterbacks knows the quarterback position and how to develop them but more importantly a guy that was just going to get the locker room in order and you know get this team believing and I, i think there's a lot to that, you know, they're not, they're not exactly at that 2017 level yet where you had this slew of draft picks that added up into this incredible defense. But I think the Jags have added a ton of talent these last couple of years and all they needed was, you know, a, a general, so to speak, to just, you know, point them in the right direction. I think Doug Peterson has done an outstanding job with all of that. And I, I think the Jags are just, just starting because there is talent on the defensive side of the ball. They haven't been, As consistent as they can be, so there's room for growth there, and I think there's still room to grow offensively to to even get more playmakers out there to get Calvin Ridley in the head up next year potentially, right? So, um, I think there's a lot of excitement. There should be a lot of excitement. It all pairs with Lawrence's development and, and and you know what Peterson's been able to do to to right the ship.
2: Steve, truthfully, the Jaguars got a lot of grief this off season with Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Evan Ingram. People say, well, they paid too much why are you spending so much money on these guys that are injured or have drop issues or whatever right and you look at these three guys all three are going to have career years here in Jacksonville which again goes back to Lawrence and Peterson but also goes to what they are providing for this Jaguar offense
0: yeah I think they've been really good this year now when you when it comes to the money factor that I think the, the criticism there is okay. What else could you have had, right? Anytime people criticize money, it's it's just the the opportunity cost of getting something else. Um, but as far as production goes, yeah, you, Christian Kirk has had, certainly had his moments. Zay Jones um, has been very good. You saw Evan Ingram two weeks ago, absolutely dominate and be a, a key part there. Um, so they've been very good. Now I'm excited about you know, add adding Calvin Ridley to the mix or even another uh, you know high end X type of receiver. And I think you're really cooking in this offense. But um, I, I love the way they've come together these last few weeks in particular. But, you know, even early in the year, you saw, you saw flashes of what Christian Kirk was able to do. And I think any offense in today's NFL needs three or four legitimate playmakers. And they definitely have those pieces right now where any given week it can be any of those guys. It's just a matter of, hey, a little bit more consistency and could still maybe use one more big playmaker heading into next year. But so far, yeah, the returns have been solid for that receiving form
2: couple more for Steve Palazzolo, the PFF podcast. He's also a senior analyst at Pro Football Focus, certainly one of my favorite go-to NFL websites. All right, Steve, you look at the Jaguars, you look at what they're doing right now in relation to the Tennessee Titans. Titans have lost four in a row. The Jaguars have won three out of four. All of a sudden, the Jaguars now control their own destiny, as do the Titans for the AFC South Championship. How do you see this division shaking out over the next couple of weeks?
0: I mean, I think we're we're going to be looking at week 18 as a play-in game in the South. Because the Titans, um, absolutely not trending in the right direction, as you said. Uh, They have to play a Thursday night game against Dallas. So, you know, again, I know know the Jags just beat Dallas. But it's going to be a challenging game. So I think at worst, you're looking at either the Jaguars are down one, down a game, or it's tied up heading into that week 18 game. Uh, The Titans, I I give Mike Rabel a ton of credit. I I really think he has continued to elevate that roster over the last couple of years, but it's starting to catch up right now. The last couple of years, it's been a lot of no-name type of players on the defensive side of the ball. You don't know who's going to step up any given week. They're just kind of running out of some of that magic, and they always had an A.J. Brown or a Derrick Henry to bail them out in previous years, guys that would just take over games. Henry hasn't been the same because the offensive line run blocking hasn't been the same in Tennessee, and A.J. Brown's no longer there. And you see the impact he has in Philadelphia. So I think just some of Tennessee's personnel decisions starting to catch up to him, catch up to them down the stretch here. And I think we're looking at a play-in game in Week 18 if if all goes to plan.
2: That would certainly be great. I mean, if the Jaguars have an opportunity at home, final week of the year to win the division – you could not ask for more than that. that wasn't that long ago. They were 3-7. and seven. Steve, for the Jaguars, it begins this week. Thursday night, they go to New York. Boy, a couple of weeks ago, people were looking at this like, man, Amazon, what'd they pay all the money for for a game like this? Now, all of a sudden, it's a gigantic game between the Jaguars and the Jets. It's like maybe a coming-out party nationally for Trevor Lawrence. At the time we're talking, it appears Zach Wilson We'll go for the Jets. So you got the number one versus number two angle from the 2021 draft. What's your thought on Thursday night there at the Meadowlands?
0: Yeah, I, I'm loving this game. I think it's it's an outstanding game. Two teams. We had Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson likely playing for the Jets. And, and as much as I've talked up Trevor Lawrence, and I know the, the Dallas defense is legit, um, this might be the biggest challenge for Lawrence over the last few weeks. You know, the, the Ravens might be a little overrated defensively. The Cowboys are, are good. But some of those other teams that they've played haven't been great. This might be the biggest challenge for for Lawrence in this offense. The Jets are fantastic defensively. Uh, Sauce Gardner and D.J. Reed, their corners have, have transformed that defense uh, on that side of the ball. They rushed the passer really well. I don't know if the Jets will be able to create enough offense. Uh, Zach Wilson is, has just been so inconsistent. But um, I think it's going to be a great game. It's a great game with the Jaguars offense going up against the Jets defense that is uh, far better than they were last year. And, you know, a team a team that's just added a ton of talent to these last couple of years. This past draft of, of Softs Gardner, Garrett Wilson at receiver. The Jets are a really talented team. They're sputtering a touch, but um, tough defensive game, and I, I think it's going to be a really good one on Thursday night.
2: Steve, final question. When you look at the uh, NFL as a whole right now and the AFC Cincinnati's obviously charging we know about Buffalo and Kansas City if it's not one of those three if you take out Buffalo Kansas City and Cincy is there a surprise potentially in the AFC playoffs and same thing in the NFC it looks like Philadelphia but who would be their biggest competition
0: yeah I mean AFC wise for me it depends on what happens with the Ravens I, I think they'll get in but When does Lamar Jackson get back and get healthy? They clearly haven't been the same team without him. But if you get the Ravens into the playoffs and the chargers into the playoffs with Justin Herbert, and if you get the Jags into the playoffs with Trevor Lawrence, what an incredible group of young quarterbacks in the AFC. So it could be wide open. I do think it's, you know, the, the bills, chiefs and Bengals at the top, but if the dolphins pulled an upset too, they they're in the mix. The Ravens, there's, there's a whole lot that can happen in the AFC. So I think, it's not wide open, but I wouldn't be surprised if there were some upsets in there. I think NFC wise, there's about a half where I thought the Bucks might be able to go on a run and maybe surprise teams in the playoffs if they could, you know, find their groove, but they lost their groove in the second half. The NFC, I think, is, you know, the Vikings are weird. They keep finding ways to win. I, I really think the Eagles are, are rolling. You know, I think it's Eagles and Niners uh, as the best teams there. We'll see if these last couple of weeks mean anything to the Cowboys because they've struggled a bit, but. Um, Any of those teams are capable of high-level play, but I just love the way the Eagles are playing right now. I think they're just so good all around, and I think they're certainly the team to beat.
2: You get him on the PFF NFL podcast, a senior analyst at Pro Football Focus, Steve Palazzolo. Steve, appreciate the time, man. Again, know you're busy this time of year. Happy holidays. We'll talk again soon.
0: Sounds great. Appreciate you having me.
2: Back here on 1010XL at 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville, we are glad you are with us. The Jaguars and the Jets, Thursday night, 8 o'clock. Of course, you'll hear the game right here on 1010XL. What a big game it is for both teams. The Jaguars control their destiny for an AFC South championship. The Jets need to win to keep their postseason hopes alive. Let's go to New York, New Jersey, Andy Vasquez of the Star-Ledger and NJ.com. He is our guy when it comes to the New York football Jets, and he's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Andy, how you doing?
7: Thanks for having me. I'm doing doing great. We're appreciate- cold, but we're doing great.
2: Yeah, I imagine. It, what? By the way, what is the weather supposed to be like on Thursday night up there?
7: Well, I think there is some rain slash potentially snow in the forecast over the next few days. I'm not sure exactly how it breaks down for Thursday night, but I know there there are some possibilities. It's going to be cold. Uh, the high on Thursday is around 30. So either way, it's going to be cold and, and bitter out there and uh, getting colder as the night goes on. So it's definitely going to be a factor and it, it's going to be interesting for sure.
2: Andy, we had you on this off season previewing the jets uh, if i would have told you seven and seven and then the thick of it for a wild card spot in the afc at christmas
7: would you have believed me back in august yeah i thought you know it was a possibility if everything went right for the jets um if their young players came on the way that they expected them to they had obviously a bunch of young players and key roles and that was going to kind of be determining what their season was um so I thought there was a possibility for them to be at this point, and as it turned out, everything didn't go their way. They lost some guys, Brees Hall. They lost Elijah Vera Tucker for the season. Never had Macaih Beckton, and Zach Wilson has not been very good, and he got benched. If you had told me all that, I would I would have been surprised. But I, I thought the team was much more talented coming into the season. And I mean, I think if you went back to before the season and and said they were going to be seven and seven, most Jets fans would have been pretty happy. But they were um five and two and, and six and three at one point, and now they're seven and seven and, and it's a little bit of a different vibe now because you know this team had a really good shot of kind of easing into the playoffs and now it's 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 not likely and, and they need to win out to have a chance.
2: What has gone wrong, Andy, for the last month or so?
7: Well, the the Jets aren't making the same plays that they were making late in games early in the season. I think they won four out of their first five games by one score or less, and now they've lost um, You know, five out of the last seven. And I think all of those have been – uh, it certainly didn't hurt losing Brees Hall. They haven't really been the same team since that offensively. He, he was a game-changer for them and um, really took a lot of the pressure off of Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson has obviously struggled as well. Um, but the Jets just have not won these close games against teams they really should have beat. They should have beat the Patriots twice. The Patriots don't have a, a team, a win over a team with a winning record this season. And the only reason they're where they are is because they stole two games from the Jets. Jets should have beat the Vikings, uh, but they went one for six in the red zone uh, all in the second half. And and they really should have beat the Lions on Sunday. They they were a stop away from winning this game, fourth and one from the Lions 49, and then they gave up a 51 yard touchdown because they didn't cover the tight end. And the only touchdown they gave up all day, and, and it wasn't enough. So, um, that's it's kind of been a, a combination of things. Just a team that was learning how to win, learned how to win early in the season, but now the pressure's on. It seems that they are kind of feeling it.
2: Andy Vasquez, Star Wedger, and NJ.com here with us on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Andy, you mentioned Zach Wilson, the number two overall pick. In the 2021 draft, he has been thrust back into the starting lineup due to injuries at the quarterback spot. He played last week uh, through one terrible pick that I saw, but he still had 300 yards passing. He gets to start again on Thursday. I mean, how big a game is this on a national spotlight there for Zach Wilson?
7: Yeah, it's huge for Zach Wilson just because, um, you know, let's just say the fans aren't exactly – um, forgiving of him or or giving patient. They're not being exactly patient out there. They weren't patient on Sunday when things went wrong in the third quarter and he threw that terrible pick like you mentioned. Uh and and then they had a couple drives in a row there where they weren't moving the ball and he was getting booed. And he turned it around in the fourth quarter and I think that showed something. Uh it could have been an absolute disaster if, if things got worse from there. It didn't. He he led on a touchdown drive. He led them in position for put them in position to kick a long field goal at the end of the game that would have tied it. Um, But he needs to show that, you know, he can play consistently for an entire game. He hasn't done it really in his career. Certainly hasn't done it this year. And, uh, you know, if Mike White was healthy, he Robert Sala told us earlier that he's not still not cleared with those rib fractures. Um, Mike White would be starting because he's been more consistent and really better than Zach Wilson. Uh, You know, Zach Wilson has tremendous talent. He, the other day he made some phenomenal throws and and you saw in the second quarter i think he had 165 yards um which is phenomenal it was the most he's ever had in his career but it's also more than he's had in in four starts this year or five starts this year so it, it kind of shows you how inconsistent he's been and it just hasn't been good enough uh and, and you know it's going to be interesting this offseason what the jets do because he doesn't look like the answer but it's only been two years and um, they're going to have some decisions to make and obviously the Jags should feel pretty fortunate that th- that things worked out in that draft the way they did.
2: you're not kidding and we'll get into that here in a moment uh real really quick on Zach Wilson you you alluded to it there, but I'm curious uh can you and you cover this team as close as anybody there in the New York New Jersey area Andy, can you envision a scenario where Zach Wilson is the starting quarterback of the New York Jets for the next five six, seven years?
7: Um, I mean, it's not out of the question because, you know, he started 21 games in his career. I think he's going to be on the roster next year because they can't get rid of him. Um, so theoretically he could make a leap these last couple games. He could, um, you know, win a quarterback competition. I think there has to be a quarterback competition, no matter what happens at the end of the season to start next year. Uh, I could see that happening, but I don't it's not likely. I mean, when you look at guys who have started their career, the way Zach Wilson has guys who got benched at this stage in their career, they, they don't end up usually being quarterbacks that stay with their, their team past the rookie contract. And, you know, the jets after next year are going to have to make a decision on his fifth year option. And obviously that decision would be uh, an easy one right now. And there's no guarantee that he's going to be the starting quarterback next year. So, um, I mean, he has not consistently shown that he can do this at this level. And um, until he does, it's going to be a huge question mark for the jets. And it's, it's not a matter like it's a big, if now where you you can't just say it's going to happen. There hasn't really been anything that would tell you that it's going to happen.
2: Andy Vasquez of the star ledger and NJ.com. You alluded to the way things worked out earlier this week was the two year anniversary of Frank Gore getting that first down Uh, against the Rams in December of 2020 that opened the door for the Jaguars to be able to select Trevor Lawrence. And we see what Trevor Lawrence is becoming. Trevor Lawrence plays in New York on Thursday. Um, How much of a talking point is that still in New York? The the fact that Trevor is turning into what he's turning into and it looks like things are not working out for Zach Wilson.
7: Well, it's certainly something that people are talking about. And you know, Jets fans. I, I, you know, I have friends who are Jets fans, and they they remember Braden Man, the punter, making the the crazy tackle to to save the game. And, and obviously, it's it's not a happy memory for them. I mean, the Jets really should have lost that game. Um, you know, they had flown back from Seattle where they got absolutely destroyed to New York because of the pandemic, and then flew back to L. A and they were like 20-point dogs and then came out and shocked everyone. Um, that's, it was just a shocking situation. Um, they, they sure looked like they were going to go 0-16, and and then they didn't. So they, they won the next week as well, but I don't think they would have won the next week if, if that hadn't happened. So, um, yeah, it, it's definitely something people talk about, and, um, you know, Robert Sala was asked about it today and said it's not really fair to compare situations because situations are different, but naturally you're going to compare the number one and the number two pick if they play the same position and they're playing against each other and and obviously um this was the leap that everyone wanted to see everyone here wanted to see zach wilson take this year uh you're seeing it from trevor lawrence now and, and you're seeing zach wilson uh, and i'm not even sure if he's gotten to, to 14 touchdown passes in, in his career i mean he's close to that probably like 16 or 17 but but trevor lawrence has thrown that many in the last five weeks or six weeks so um, when when you see the difference right now, it's it's obviously stark. It's a stark contrast, and, and it's certainly something that Jets fans uh, notice, and and it's a it's a frustrating thing for them uh, for obvious reasons.
2: Final moments here with Andy Vasquez of the Star Ledger and NJ.com. All right, Andy, James Robinson traded to New York. What about a month and a half, two months ago now? Hasn't really worked out. I mean, he hasn't really been on the field all that much, and I guess he's voiced some frustration publicly, or at least he did a few weeks ago. What is the story with the former Jaguar running back up there?
7: Yeah, they traded for him literally the day after they lost Brees Hall for the season. Um, he came in and played the next three games, and I, I think he averaged about .07 yards after contact. And at that point, the Jets went with Bam Knight, an undrafted rookie, who has played pretty well, um, much better. You know, he, his first three games, or his first two games, I think, he was one of the, the first running backs in the common draft era to have more than 100 yards um, in, from scrimmage in both those games. But he was shut down against the Lions the other day. The Jets' offensive line is a bit of a mess right now um, with all the injuries that they've had. So that's been a contributing factor. But he just hasn't had the explosive kind of first step that, that the Jets – Said that they traded for him to get, and so yeah, he's been inactive the last several weeks, and um, I'm not sure if it'll change this week. Um, Knight is dealing with a bit of an ankle issue, so it could change, but yeah, it, he didn't play well enough early on, and and um, you know that kind of makes it hard from my standpoint for him to be unhappy about getting benched because he just didn't uh, exactly produce. So I mean, I understand his frustration, but. Um, it just wasn't happening, so it'll be interesting to see if he, if he makes an impact these last three games, but it, I would say that's doubtful.
2: You know, it's not all bad for New York. They're 7-7. Seven seven. They're still right in the thick of it, and you got one heck of a defensive back rookie there in Sauce Gardner. What has he brought to that team?
7: Yeah, he's he's really been everything you could ask for and more. He was saying yesterday that he was uh, frustrated because he didn't get targeted in the, in the Lions game at all. Uh, and he, he wanted to make an impact on the game. And I asked Robert Sala about that today. And he basically said, get used to it. Um, he said, you know, remembers watching Richard Sherman, who's going to be there on Thursday night, and said he never got his GPS over 17 miles an hour because he, he didn't have to really move because quarterbacks wouldn't try him. And, and I think that's what Sauce has already done. He's also a really solid guy in the locker room in terms of leadership and setting the tone and, and keeping an even keel. Um, so he's been really good. And DJ Reed, uh, the cornerback the who they signed as a free agent, has also been way better than anybody could expect. And um, I mean, you saw what the Jets did against the best, one of the best offenses in the league the other day, basically shut them down, um, even without having Quinn and Williams, who, by the way, is uh, Robert Sala said it'll be a game time decision with Quentin Williams on Thursday. He missed the, the Lions game with a calf injury, um, but that he feels better than last week. So there's a chance he could play. But they did that without Quinton and Williams, and the reason they can do stuff like that, the reason their defense has been so good is their defensive backs. Uh, DJ Reed, Sauce Gardner, they are legit, and it's going to be a challenge for Trevor Lawrence for sure.
2: Andy, final thought. Uh, you mentioned Quinton Williams. Uh, health-wise for the Jets, it's a short week. The Jaguars coming off that emotional win as well. They got injury problems down here. How are the Jets looking health-wise as a whole?
7: They're getting healthier. I mean, they lost Denzel Mims. Who's like their fourth receiver? He has a concussion, he won't play. Um, and, and the backup cornerback, Brandon Echols, won't play for the second straight game. But Corey Davis, who missed uh the last game and was hurt early in the Buffalo game with a concussion, he should be back. He's trending up, and like I said, with with Quinnen, he's um there's a chance he'll play. We'll see what happens. Uh, but they're they're relatively healthy. Like I said, their offensive line is banged up, but that's not gonna change. They'll have the same guys that they had last week. And and they'll try to figure it out. The guy to watch is, is Bam Knight. Um, he's hurt his ankle. Not sure what his status is going to be. We'll have to look for the injury report, the last injury report before this game to know that.
2: You know, nationally, I think Jaguars-Jets a month ago, maybe not the most appealing, and that was probably the Jaguars' fault. All of a sudden, this game on Thursday night has a lot of appeal. It is a huge game between the 6-8 and eight Jaguars and the 7-7 seven and seven new york football jets andy vasquez of nj.com and the star ledger andy always appreciate the time let's have a great game on thursday night and happy holidays my friend
7: thank you i'll be in jacksonville on friday so i'm hoping it's going to be warm down there but i've heard it's maybe not may not be so we'll see
2: no you're bringing the cold weather with you you uh, oh you're coming down here for a vacation
7: my parents live down there, so I'll be down there for Christmas because the Jets uh, play on Thursday, so it worked out.
2: Well, very cool, very cool. Well, uh, hopefully uh, you're bringing an L with you for all Jaguar fans' sake. But, again, thank you for the time and enjoy your stay down here.
7: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
2: And thank you to Andy Vasquez of the Star-Ledger and NJ.com for joining us tonight here on Hacker After Dark to give the New York Jets side of this huge matchup tomorrow night. The 6-8 and eight Jaguars the 7 and 7 jets you'll hear it right here on 1010xl 10, 10 in what is a enormous game for both teams. Well, that'll just about wrap up what has been an unbelievably busy and unbelievably cool night here on Hacker After Dark. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Again, Andy Vasquez of the Star Ledger and nj.com. Thank you to Steve Palazzolo of Pro Football Focus for stopping by to talk Trevor Lawrence. Talk about the Jaguars and their chances in the AFC South. You heard from Jaguar, uh, former Jaguar Pro Bowl offensive tackle Leon Searcy. Of course, you get him every day on primetime. You get him here weekly as well on Hacker After Dark. And a special thank you to all the Gator signees for joining us today, the first day of the December early signing period. Trinity Christian running back Treyon Webb. Enjoyed talking with Jordan Castile, the four-star safety from the Orlando area, also heading to Florida, Jaden Robinson, the linebacker from Lake City, Columbia, and Jakeem Jackson of Kissimmee Osceola. All four Gator signees join me tonight here on Hacker After Dark. If you missed those interviews, they'll be on the 1010XL On Demand section. This is the final night of the week for Hacker After Dark, but boy, we are not done for the week. Tomorrow, I will join Hayes Carline, as our pregame coverage kicks off, 3 o'clock to 5.15. Hey, as Carline and myself. will get you ready for the Jaguars and the Jets, and then we'll send it off to the Jaguar Network. And then Friday morning, a special edition of the fifth quarter with Leon Searcy, head coach Dave Campo, and yours truly. We'll be in for the drill from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Friday morning. Recapping tomorrow night's football contest. Dylan Denmark was your producer tonight. Dylan, great job. As always, I'm the hacker Ryan Green. And Jacksonville, thank you for spending part of your Wednesday evening with us right here on Hacker After Dark on 1010XL and 92.5FM. So, for all of us here on HAD, have an absolutely terrific remainder of your Wednesday evening. And I will talk to you tomorrow afternoon alongside Hayes Carline beginning at 3 o'clock. Until then, good night, Jacksonville.
8: Oh, yeah. Claus is in a little bit of a Christmas mood. There's Prosser screaming at Joe you once more. E.T.'s sipping Hennessy. Brick Baloo. Checking FSU scores And Frangie singing songs off-key Kind of ironic, huh? Everybody knows when 1010 is on the radio Helps to make the season bright Helmets and heels, those voices aglow Take us to the stars on Tuesday night We know the lunch bunch is on the way They're dropping knowledge right after Jags Today And every Gator fan, they're standing by to hear a Gator Bites podcast on the fly And so we're offering a simple phrase to listeners from 1 to 92 Not 93 Although it's been said Many times, many ways. Merry Christmas from 10-10 xl to you. Merry Christmas, Googans. Hope you all have some great gifts under the tree. Hope you understand the joy of the season. Hope you're with your loved ones. We love you. Thanks for listening. And happy holidays.